evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Golden Goal Press, and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're going to look at an emphatic win over Bethlehem Steel. Uh, Red Bulls finally getting back in the win column after three uh, straight winless matches. We're going to talk to uh, Preston Kilwine, first-year defender. I've been saying his name wrong for weeks, everyone. I'm sorry, most to him, but to everyone else, I've been calling him Kilween. Forgive me. You can call me Joe Goldstein from now on, uh, if that will, uh, I think, set the balance. Uh, and th- we're going to preview a match this weekend against Land United 2 on the road, Red Bulls 2, looking for revenge after losing their in their in Atlanta United 2's home opener last season. Whew. It was not easy to get all that out. Joining me tonight, I've got the the best photographer uh, I've ever known. <laughs> it's Bill. It's Bill Toomey. Hello, Bill. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, especially after seeing what the Rebels 2 did and then uh, being at the first team game over the weekend, too. Um, what a what a game at Red Bull Arena Saturday night. Fireworks and all. It was fantastic. I like that Red Bull 2 set the tone uh, with a 4 nothing victory uh, yes. on Friday. And then Red Bulls said, anything you can do, I can do better. And or, Well, or at least anything you can do, I can do. <laughs> and also got a 4 nothing win over Mike Petke and Real Salt Lake. Good times to be had by all. Uh, and on the show tonight, it's Mr. Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Uh, good. I'm uh, happy to be proven wrong. I guess they kind of sent me a message that uh, I was <laughs> completely wrong about the team. I <laughs> uh, had no problems uh, with Bethlehem, so... Yeah, uh, I guess I should just start predicting losses more often. <laughs> well, I only predicted a win because you predicted a loss and Bill predicted a draw. So uh, I owe my correct, at least, prediction in terms of uh, result uh, to you. So thank you. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into that. Uh, it was a fairly big win. It looked like it was setting up to be one of those matches where Red Bulls are frustrated and lose. Uh, they had a lot of opportunities at the beginning of the match, but they were very, very sloppy. Everything kind of changes when Kyle Zayetz uh, scores his first goal of his professional career. Congrats, Kyle. Uh, it was just a, one of those, you know, uh, taking a shot from the perimeter and hoping for the best. Uh, it sneaks in the post. Kyle picks up another goal only a few minutes later. And I think from that point on, it just never looked like it was going to be Bethlehem Steel's night. There's a lot of things I want to talk about from this match, but I want to get some first impressions from you, Joe. Uh, what stood out for you on the night? Well, what we're really thinking about Kyle's uh, was in this game. I mean, we, we'd seen a little bit in the uh, USL this earlier in the season, but I mean, he really seemed to have his best game as a member of Red Bull 2. I mean, I really liked the way he, he and Lima partnered the midfield. I thought that he stepped into challenges really well. He had a lot, lot of key interceptions, would set up chances. Uh, and he grabbed two goals in this game. So, I mean, I thought he was really important uh, for what they were doing in this game because, I mean, Kofi had a knock. The partnership has been Kofi and Lima for most of the year. So when Zayek had a really 
great job. The other thing is Jared Stroud obviously, you know, gets the assist that you know, to the all-time. Uh, congrats to him. He had another really, really good game. Uh, um, and uh, I forget who else was up there. Um, Epps was up there and Elney. I can't remember. Elney. Um, I thought they did a great job. I thought they put a lot of pressure on uh, Bethlehem's backline. I think they were aided by the injury on the and uh, Bethlehem wasn't really able to play out of their own uh, uh, Red Bull 2 to do a lot. So I'm going to translate that a little bit because you were breaking up a little bit there. But I think I got all the things that you said. You really liked how okay. Kyle Zayitz, uh partnered with Chris Lemma in the midfield. I fully agree. I think it was his right. best match for the team. He added that defensive bite that I think – you know, at times is missing with this club when uh, you got Kofi and Lima out there together, just because those that's not really the role either of those guys play. So it was nice to have a bit of a defensive midfielder in there. And then, yes, Jared Stroud, he breaks the uh, assist record for Red Bulls, too. He's now on 15 assists. Congrats, Jared. Uh, fantastic match from you leading the, the sort of triangle there. And you also mentioned the front line, uh, which I was very complimentary towards uh, on the night. I think Elney, um, he yes, he played on the wing, but the way that they set up, it was almost like he was playing as a second forward. I thought that helped take a lot of the pressure off of Matthias Jorgensen uh, because he could hold up the ball a little bit better than Jorgensen. It allowed him to run uh, off the ball as well and put himself in dangerous positions. And both guys, I mean, they created danger, just they struggled a little bit to finish. But I think we are seeing progress with them, uh, which is a very, very good sign. Uh, Bill, Evan Loro gets his first clean sheet of the year. They've only done it uh, with Ryan Mara in net this year. Uh, and, the, you know, the defense in general, you're, you're talking about Preston Kilwine and, and um, Jordan Scarlett in the center, who looked great on the night. And I think that is largely due to the work that Reese Buckmaster and Edgardo Rito were doing on the wings. Uh, are we? Do we see those those two guys as number one yet? Uh it's you know it's really coming close because maybe we finally found the fit in our defense uh, that we can actually use moving forward. Because in the past few games, we've seen teams get behind the defensive line and score early goals, and it was really nice to not see that happen this uh, this game. So I definitely think that's something that you know can be or uh, can happen and maybe is on the way. What I really liked about uh, the back line on the evening, we saw uh, Preston, uh, he was um, partnered up with uh, Alan Giannis the last time that we were there uh, against North Carolina FC. I think because Giannis wandered a little bit more uh, and maybe wasn't as responsible to get back and uh, put in the defensive work, that pulled Preston out of position, which then unbalanced the back line and, you know, created a lot of problems. Reese just works hard. Him and Edgardo all, all game long. They're up and down the wings. They are, are tireless. And when you have that kind of work ethic from the outside, it takes a lot for anyone to get down the wings and it shuttles everyone inside. And then it's easy for guys like Jordan and Preston to kind of clean up anything that comes through there. And, Yes, I think Bethlehem didn't exactly uh, do themselves any favors on the night, uh, but I think a big part of that was just the defensive organization that has has been missing at times. But th- this was a really good crew out there that, that day. 
And if you just look at the passing stats alone, I mean, the amount of passes that Ripples 2 had compared to Bethlehem Steel was over 100 more passes, and the accuracy was a, a lot more accurate for the Rebels, too. It was like 70.5% to 55 So that's pretty cool to see, too. I mean, they're definitely stepping up their game. Yeah. Bethlehem, I think they came out. They wanted to stay compact. They wanted to uh, get a little bit physical and make the game difficult for the Red Bulls and then just kind of uh, attack directly. And because they went down a goal, that kind of shot or it, it unbalanced them and it, it put them in a really bad way and they were just never able to get back in the match from there. Uh, what else? Yes, Bethlehem Steel was shorthanded. Uh, we talked about that heading into the match, but um, you know, it's still a very, very good win for the club. I want to ask about uh, Jorgensen just in general because he did score in this match. It was from the spot, but uh, I, I'm wondering what you guys feel about his progress so far. We've seen him for a number of matches now. Uh, this was probably the most service and help he's gotten, so I think we saw him a little bit more active. But uh, do you see the development there? Do you see him progressing, Joe? I do see him progressing. I, again, you, you've talked about the service, and for a forward like him, you're going to need to. He's going to need good service. I, I think his finishing still needs a little bit of work. There was, I mean, he should have had at least three or four goals in this game. Um, and I think uh, his his touch let him down a couple times. He uh, in the first half, he took it too wide of the keeper, and then it was cleared off the line. Um, you know, just his touch let him down. And but I, I do see progress, and you know, I, I always I am a big fan of his movement. Um, and I, I think he's starting to maybe grasp the system a little bit better as well. There's there's a word that I've um, I've heard associated with with Matias, and that word is meek. That at times, even though he's a big physical uh, guy and he can he can be um, a sort of a force, especially with the ball at his feet or running onto the ball, that sometimes he kind of shies away a little bit, and I think. You know that's part of that's part of being a young player and being a young striker, especially. Uh, but when you think about the pedigree that he has and coming from uh, these teams in Europe, you would think that maybe he's gotten over that yet, and that is not the case. And so, I think until you start to see him become a little bit more comfortable with the physical side of his game, it's gonna it's still gonna be a work in progress. I mentioned the same thing about uh, Tom Barlow, uh, even as early as the beginning of this season, or as recent as the beginning of the season, and he has obviously come a long way uh, since last year and and put in the work. So I'm I'm hopeful that we'll see Jorgensen start to um, uh, put it together in a, a much bigger way and a more consistent way. Yeah, I think the potential's there for sure. It's just a matter of, like you said, he's, he's got to be more physical. I mean, Barlow, we you know we, we saw glimpses of him early in the you know last year, and the one thing you know he he worked on this year that I noticed was he was able to hold the ball up better mm-hmm. and use his body to to you know to create chances for himself. So that, Matias has just got to work on that. And I mean, you know, he's got I mean he's great with the ball at his feet, and I think he's got a lot of tools that a quality striker has. It's just a matter of you know, again, him just getting a little bit more stronger on the ball and stuff like that. Fully agree. And I think you saw a little bit of that in this match too, where he was checking back to midfield at times and, and being uh, a more willing teammate other than just running off the ball and looking for scoring chances, which he's, he's good at. But um, I think when he gets that other part of his game down, he's going to be much more dangerous. Uh, 
I guess we can do man of the match. Bill, who is your man of the match? Such a great game. Four goals scored. Um, Evan Laurel for the clean sheet. Okay. I think that's very fair. Joe. It's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go Kyle Zayek, though. I think he was a force in the midfield. And I think, you know, grabbing two goals, great first confidence. I kind of hope he gets the start uh, this for this weekend's game. I'll tell you what. I was super bummed that Epps uh, did not have uh, that that the goal ended up being an own goal and it wasn't credited to Epps uh, because I think it would have been great for him to score against Bethlehem Steel Um, uh, you guys gave them to them I I agree with Zayetz I'm going to give mine to uh, the combo of um, Reese Buckmaster and Edgardo Rido they don't really show up on the stat sheet in any uh, meaningful way on this you know in in terms of um, contributing to the goals but I think their play on the night really set the tone for the whole team and uh, made the shutout and the, and the win possible. So Buckmaster, Rito, Zayats, and Loro. Nice job, guys. Okay, when we come back, we're going to preview... Oh, no, sorry. When we come back, we're going to be talking to you, Preston Kilwine. So stick around. We're joined now by first-year defender Preston Kilwine. Preston, I've been saying your name wrong for weeks. I am so sorry. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Happens, uh, happens to everybody. Whew, feeling good. I, I First, I started off spelling it wrong. I was putting the E before the I, and now uh, I've been saying it wrong, too. So, <laughs> I guess... <laughs> no, don't worry. Not, you're not the only one. There's been, there's been plenty of people. Uh, I guess I feel a little bit better about that. Uh, so you're, you're brand new to the club, but, uh, walk us through sort of, you know, your earliest days playing soccer. When did you start playing? So, uh, I originally started playing when I was about three at like a YMCA, uh, out in San Diego, California. And just ever since then, just kind of, you know, fell in love with it. Um, played some, a little bit of rec league, you know, growing up. And then when I hit about eight or nine, I joined, uh, Danza four soccer club, uh, down in Cupertino, California, San Jose, California. Um, and yeah, after that, it was a pretty, honestly, pretty crazy childhood. Um, we we moved quite a bit when I was when I was younger. So I played up in Seattle for a Crossfire. Um, back down to California, played for you know um, a brand new team that came out called East Bay Eclipse, and then went over to Diablo FC, and then ended up joining Dienza Academy. My junior year of high school. That is a lot of travel. Uh, I was, I was, yeah, I was wondering when you started to talk about California, how you ended up eventually getting down to Florida. Yeah, it was funny. Funny story, actually. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast is actually the first school to, uh, to actually contact me uh, officially. So, um, and that was just after the Dunk City stuff had happened. So uh, that was pretty. That was pretty sweet. And then you got to see the campus and stuff online and on ESPN and like, you know, just fell in love with it and got to go out there and just absolutely fell in love with the school. What, what in particular was, uh, something that you fell in love with, uh, with Florida Gulf coast? Um, soccer wise, it was a style of play. It was just, you know, getting, getting down there and seeing the guys play and actually play and possess and, you know, 
play like a, a fun style of soccer for college that is, is kind of different um, than what a lot of people are used to. And then just campus-wise, there's so much that it's just, there's just so much to do. Like we have there's a there's a man-made lake on campus. You can rent out paddle uh, paddle boards, kayaks, sailboat. Um, yeah, it was just it was just an awesome campus to be at. That sounds really really awesome. And of course, while you're down there, uh, you pick up a number of, of honors and and um, you end up on you know all team this and that. Uh, but you also mm-hmm. got yourself onto Sports Center, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, my freshman year debut. Um, scored the, the game winner in like the 89th minute against uh, uh, Princeton. Is that right? Against Princeton. So I, it was kind of funny when I joined the uh, Rebel Two. I was talking to one of the guys, and he told me that he was from Princeton. And I kind of brought it up, and I was like, "Oh, like were you there in you know what, 2015?" He's like, "Oh yeah." And I was like, "Oh yeah, you remember you remember the goal that that kid scored on you?" Like, that <laughs> That's Sean McSherry. How did what was his reaction to that? He was just like, no way. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> that is a wild goal. Uh, what what was in your head when you were taking that shot? <laughs> just hit it to the far post. <laughs> just open for and the best. Just, and it kind of just slowed in the near post. Was it one of the? It, it worked. Was it one of those situations where you hit it and you knew that you hit it well, or was it a surprise to you that it went in? No, I hit it and just looked at it, and I honestly thought I was going over, so I started. <laughs> like oh my god what did i just do and then it just yeah you know, i literally just dropped in under the crossbar and then it was yeah it was insane after that it was fun and out of uh, out of college did you then go to uh the tampa bay u23s um so that was my after my sophomore year of college i played for the pdl team for the rowdies um and then after my junior year i played uh out in seattle for the sounders u23s so I, I guess with all that travel, did that make it a little bit easier? I, I talked to Marcus about this last week about, you know, he spent a lot of uh, years in different places and kind of putting himself mm-hmm. in, in sort of these um, uncomfortable situations. But uh, overall, that kind of contributed to his comfort level now as a professional player. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. As a, as a kid, you know, it kind of sucks having to move and, and leave your friends. But well, as you get older and you kind of realize that it, it is a blessing because you get to mature and you get to be in those uncomfortable situations way more than a lot of the other people are used to. So, and then seeing, and then also going to these schools and seeing how people, you know, professional, like future professional athletes uh, act and handle themselves. Definitely. Um, definitely contributed to, to how I act and how I, how I hope to act as a professional. And uh, during this time, is that when you started uh, uh, getting into cooking? Yeah. Um, yeah, freshman year, freshman year of college or so, uh, started cooking and then met my girlfriend and she's, she's an amazing cook. So she, she taught me a few things. What, uh, what's your signature meal that you're making in the kitchen? Oh, um, I, I like to make this steak, um, with a complete seasoning and you like soak it in lime juice for like 30 minutes to an hour. Um, then you just throw it on the, throw it on the, the pan with some oil and then with uh, some rice, some sweet potato with brown sugar and some salad. That sounds terrific. All right. So now we know you're the one who's going to feed the rest of the team one of these days. <laughs> they supply the food all cooked. 
<laughs> nice. And you're also into video games. What what games do you like to play? Are you like a first person shooter guy? Or are you more of a uh, third person action uh, kind of guy? Sports games? What what do you play? Um, I play a little bit of everything, to be honest. Right now, you know, Fortnite is, is pretty big. So I play Fortnite. I play FIFA, Call of Duty, 2K, um, Rocket League. Like, there's just there's a lot. Are you are you competitive with anyone on the team? I don't think I've actually played anybody on the team besides I played Tom Barlow one time and I won. So I, think, <laughs> I think he wants to rematch pretty soon. You played him in what Fortnite or uh, FIFA? In uh, I played him in FIFA. Ah, uh, very nice. Do you remember what team you were? Uh, I think I was Liverpool, to be honest. Oh, but nice. I'm a big Arsenal fan, so. Okay. I'll forgive you because you played as Liverpool. <laughs> so uh, talk to me about the season so far. How do you, how comfortable do you feel uh, with the team? How different is it from any of the environments you've been in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel now I feel very comfortable. You know, at first, um, it's obviously a bit rough when a lot of the guys know each other and you come into a new environment trying to, you know, trying to prove yourself to the coaches and also trying to, yourself to the teammates as well um but definitely as time goes on it's we've made great relationships with each other um and yeah i think you know the team the red bull style of play is obviously very you know very high pressing very you know very fun to watch very fun to you know create chances and and go at people all the time and i think the biggest difference that i really noticed was kind of the just the overall intensity of how hard you have to play and how fast you have to play, how, how fast you have to think during the entire 90 minutes plus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I is, think that was probably the biggest difference that it, I had to go through. Is being partnered with someone like Jordan Scarlett, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, well, maybe not a little bit, but does that help at all in terms of, of oh, getting you prepared and getting you focused? Yeah, definitely. Jordan, Jordan was a huge help to me when I came um, to the team. And Jordan's just, you know, such a funny guy. And he's always, he's a, he's a great guy off the field. You get on the field, he's just so intense. So (laughs) he helps helps you drive a little bit more to play that, that little bit harder. Intense is true. Anybody that's been to the, uh, the matches at MSU, I'm sure that they know Jordan's voice uh, very well. (laughs) 100%. 100%. And give me a grade, how you think that you're, you're doing so far. I think I'm at a, so far in my game, I'd say I'm at maybe like a B. I think I think I definitely can improve on a few things. Um, but I think overall, I think I've done pretty well. What's, part. what's something you think you could improve on? I think I can improve on um, my 1v1 transition defending. When someone's, you know, running at me with a lot of space behind me. I think if somebody tries to play the ball over the top, a lot of the times I'm, I'm, pretty good at reading that and getting there but when it's when it comes to somebody really running at me um, with a lot of space behind i i think i need to work on that this coming uh well i guess uh, we could say weekend this coming weekend uh you're going to be without jordan right because he's got the yellow card suspension Mm -hmm. um so um, i'm assuming it's mostly going to be uh chris teo or or somebody like that uh do you now feel that that uh, pull to to kind of be the leader back there since you're most likely going to be paired with a younger guy. Yeah, for sure. Even in training this week, uh, you know, I've been been trying to work on you know making sure I'm getting my guys to do what we need to do, stepping up the line, 
moving, shifting the way we need to do, the way we need to go. Um, so definitely, I think it's going to be, it'll be, it's going to be a challenge, but I'm definitely up for it. I can't wait. Well, I think we're going to be excited to see how that goes this weekend. Uh, before I let you go, I have to subject you to the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Popcorn, yes or no? Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Marvel or DC? Can I say neither? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, not a good superhero guy. Uh, Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario, for sure. And I'm calling this one the Derek Etienne Award. I'm going to give it to the player that wins it at the end of the season. Who is the worst dancer on the Red Bulls 2? The worst dancer? Oh, man. Um, might have to say... I'm, I'm going to give it to Kyle Zayas. Why? We, this is a, a new entry into the list. So far, uh, we've got a few players for Reese, including Reese himself. Uh, and I don't remember who the oh, other no, one is. <laughs> oh, Chris Levo was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like that we got uh, a new challenger. That's excellent. Well, uh, Preston, thank you so much for coming on. We wish you nothing but the best of luck this weekend and in the future. And uh, yeah, Definitely, thanks. Thank and when we c- thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. When we come back, we're going to preview the match against Atlanta United too. So stick around. We're back. We are now going to preview the match against Atlanta United 2 this weekend. Atlanta United, not not great. They're 3-5-4. and four. They've got a negative six goal differential. Uh, they're sitting at the very bottom, just above the playoff line, thanks to their goal differential over Bethlehem Steel. They are 0-2-3 in their last five matches and 2-4-0 and at home overall. In the last five, they've lost to Nashville and Ottawa, each by a score of 2-0. And they drew against Bethlehem Steel, Swope Park Rangers, and Charleston Battery. Like I said, 1-1 draws. They do not have a consistent goal scorer, but they have really spread the goals around the team. Romario Williams, uh, who everybody remembers from Charleston, of course, uh, he's got three goals on the season. Then Lawrence Wyke has two. And then each of these guys has a goal apiece. Brandon Vasquez, Kevin Barajas, Gordon Wilde, Laurent Kisidu, John Gallagher, Jackson Conway, and Louise Fernando. All of those guys have one goal apiece. And then on the assist side, uh, Laurent Kisidu has two. Anderson Asidu has two. Don Pereira, Andrew Carlton, John Gallagher, Jack Metcalf, and Louise Fernando all have one. I haven't watched a ton of Atlanta United 2, but uh, based on what I've seen, I mean, you'd know what you're getting from Atlanta. They play a similar style to the way that uh, Atlanta played last season. They're a little bit more direct. Um, they are uh, a little bit better in terms of the way that they defend this season. Last year, I think uh, they were you know, a little bit easy to play through. They're, they're a smarter team. They are a little bit more experienced, but they still have these defensive breakdowns, especially if they try to play the ball out of the back. We know from experience when Red Bulls have faced Atlanta uh, that if they start trying to play the ball through the midfield or playing the ball out of the back, the Red Bulls really feast on them. Now, add in 
all of that and the fact that Red Bulls or the Red Bulls too, that is lost to Atlanta in their home opener last season, the game that no one saw because <laughs> there was some kind of weird production problem. Uh, and I think that Red Bulls too are absolutely going to want to get a, uh, a strong statement style victory again this week. They're going to be doing it without Jordan Scarlett. Jordan has, uh, will be suspended for this weekend because of yellow card accumulation. That means it's probably going to be Chris Teo. We didn't even talk about uh, the two young guys in the first segment, but Sal Esposito and Chris Teo getting minutes again this week. So it, I, I'm going to assume that Chris Teo is going to be starting next to Preston uh, Kilwine. Hopefully you're going to see Edgardo Rito again. I, I He was injured at, towards the tail end of the match against Bethlehem and uh, replaced. They moved um, Reese Buckmaster over to the right side and then brought in uh, Janos Luba. Uh, to play on the left, who also looked good in that match. So there could be a little bit of shuffling around that, so we'll have to see. But, you know, there's a couple of things that I I would keep an eye on. One is, is Kofi going to be coming back, or are we going to see another start from Kyle Zayetz? Zayetz, of course, you know, had a fantastic match. Uh, Kofi plays a little bit less of a uh, a destroyer role, but is very good at, at dribbling forward and opening up defenses with the ball at his feet. And then up top, if we're going to see that same trio of uh, Epps, Elney, and Jorgensen, who I thought worked really well together. They they really understood each other very well. Uh, Joe, give me an idea of what you think we're going to see in this match. Well, I hope we see, uh, I mean, as good as Kofi's been this year, uh, I think he's been a little inconsistent at times, so I'm kind of hoping we see Kyle Zayetz. And I really, I'm interested to see what we see along the back line, um, because as you mentioned, Scarlett is suspended. So I think that could be um, just as, you know, him and Kilwine are getting their timing down and their chemistry down. I think, you know, it's going to be a little bit difficult with somebody else coming in. Um, But, you know, I, I... want to say we're going to see some something similar to um, the side that played Bethlehem, but maybe with a couple changes. Uh, as you mentioned, Sal Esposito has been impressive. I kind of hope we see him a little bit more in this game, too. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's a little bit of rotation uh, just because of uh, suspensions and maybe a couple knocks, that, you know, a couple knocks. So, I mean, I think we should see maybe three or four changes in this side. Bill, if if you're putting a side out there, uh, who are you going with on your back line? I, w- I would almost run the exact same lineup that we, that we had out for Friday night, you know, without well, Scarlet, of course, but that was pretty good. I, I mean, I really do like the way that they played, and especially uh, last year, right, at Red, it wasn't at Red Bull Arena because we were back in Montclair then, but for Atlanta United, it was, what, a 6-1 win, so... That's going to be fresh on their minds. Yeah, and I think maybe – I'm not 100% sure that this is really going to translate down to the USL level, but uh, it is clear that Atlanta and the New York Red Bulls in MLS are developing a rivalry. It would be interesting to see some of that spill over into the USL side, especially because that game was very physical, uh, very emotional, and I would love to see something like that in USL. We haven't really had that – uh, from the Red Bulls with anyone after Rochester yet, right? Like, I, I want to see them, you know, have a stronger relationship with another team where 
anytime that they're playing each other, you know that it's going to be a dogfight and uh, players are going to be, you know, wearing their hearts on their sleeve and, and going in on the challenges and so forth. <laughs> oh, sorry. Was I supposed to jump in? I mean, either of you could have jumped in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, well, I thought, I, I thought that rivalry was with Bethlehem, but, um, I mean, because they're the team that's kind of beaten them more true. than anybody over the Very past true. couple seasons. Louisville, too, I guess you could say, but Louisville kind of has a rivalry with some other teams. Um, but I don't know. I just don't think it translates down because I, I think I don't I don't want to say Atlanta doesn't take their USL side as seriously as uh, the Red Bull organization does with Red Bull 2, because as we've seen, Red Bull 2 success for, speaks for itself over the last few years. So um, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll have to give it some time. But I mean, they haven't really shown any inclination that they're on that they can step up to Red Bull 2's level as far as like bring the intensity and, you know, bringing, you know, just matching them talent for talent. Okay, I think that's fair. I I did kind of forget about the fact that Bethlehem had beaten them a couple times, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know those just don't feel like intense matches. I I want to see it with somebody. Ideally, it would be with Hartford uh, or Loudon, mm. but True. oh, I guess Loudon has really good potential actually because yeah, they, they won the too. first time. Yeah. Um, but Hartford is just so atrocious this year. You know, focus on just getting <laughs> getting your stuff done, and then. We'll talk about a rivalry another day. Uh, we are looking at Jared Stroud can continue to uh, you know, stretch his lead in uh, in terms of Red Bull's all-time uh, assist men. But he's also not having a bad season this year. I think that was his fourth assist on the season, which puts him in, tied for seventh in the league. He's only three assists off the top. A guy who is also tied... Uh, with four assists on the year. Actually, there's a number of, uh, of former Red Bull <laughs> players. But who who else do you think has four assists on the season that is a Red Bull midfielder? Marcus Epps. That's a good that's a good guess. He's not a former Red Bull midfielder. Oh, former. Uh, oh, um, Jose Aguinaga. Also a good guess. He has three, so not not bad. Uh, man, that's Junior a good question. Junior Flemings, I don't know if he has uh, that many assists yet. Epps also has three, by the way. What about Tenari? How many assists? Aha! Ding, ding, ding! Yeah. It's uh, it's Tenari. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, because he was pretty dangerous. You know, when the Rebels two played played Tampa a few weeks back, that was that was a good game. Even yeah, though they lost. It was cool to see Tenari back out. And yeah, I wasn't happy that we had to watch him. Um, beat the red bulls yes but, no not so bad <laughs> definitely not uh just That's looking right. he did he did have a goal oh, go ahead. he had a goal and assist this weekend for tampa yeah so. and oh man he's been having a great year uh atlanta united number two in the league in yellow cards earned that's a weird Ooh. sort of stat to have mm. um where do they play oh good question play- did I write that same, down? Uh, Rana there? No, they do not. <laughs> they do not play at Mercedes Benz. I'll look for it while I um, talk about some other things. Red Bulls are second in the league in goals, total goals scored. Uh, second only to New Mexico, who has 30. The Red Bulls have how many goals? I like doing this uh, trivia aspect. It, it makes it fun. Oh, man. Uh, 26. Ooh, so close. 
27. 27. <laughs> that was an alley-oop, I think. Uh, <laughs> yes, they are second in the league with 27 goals. Atlanta United 2 is tied for 30th in the league with 12 goals. Oh, so yeah, they don't they don't score a ton of goals. Uh, they are sloppy in the back and uh, definitely susceptible uh, to some bad things happening. They play at Fifth Third Bank Stadium, so Fifth Third <laughs> Bank Stadium, <laughs> and that's in Kennesaw, Georgia. Fifth Third Bank. That is Which, a. Uh, let's see. That is. Really far outside of Atlanta. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's 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 almost better though. I think for USL two team or MLS two teams rather to not exactly be right in the same market. Uh, Red Bulls are still pretty close uh, comparatively to where other teams have their two teams. Um, I guess Bethlehem is the only other one right now that's like it's about a good thirty thirty miles or so from yeah. downtown Atlanta. Um. Okay, let's get predictions for this match. Bill, I'll start with you. Um, after seeing last week's performance and with the way that Atlanta United 2 has been playing so far this season, uh, pretty confident in saying a 3-0 win for Red Bulls 2 on the road. Joe? In Atlanta. They don't, they don't really score a lot on the road, so I'm going to go 2-1 Red Bulls 2. I don't know. Well, all right. Yeah, fair. I was going to say we don't have enough data, but that's not true. We have a couple of games to go on now. Uh, 2 1, Red Bulls 2. You th- okay. I'm going to call this a 1 1 draw because they've got three straight 1 1 draws. So <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Uh, I will be very happy to be wrong about this one this week. Okay. So we've got two wins and a draw. We'll see who comes out on top. Uh, surely it will not be me. Always do the opposite of whatever I say, right, Bill? That's right. I won a lot of money because of that. True story, folks. Okay, let's run down the standings very quickly. Uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies have extended their lead up top. They won uh, uh, on Saturday against Birmingham Legion 2-0. They are sitting on 29 points after 13 matches. Red Bulls 2 in second place, 23 points on 12 matches. Nashville on 22 Ottawa, 21, Indy, 21, Louisville, 21. In seventh, North Carolina with 20 points. Eighth, uh, St. Louis, or St. Louis, St. Louis FC. (laughs) (laughs) They were, I mean, think about how good they started the season. They are 1, 1, and 3 in the last five. They've really taken a turn for the worst there, but they still have a number of games in hand, so maybe not the worst thing but they're definitely not in form charleston battery in atlanta round up the two bottom with 17 and 13 apiece bethlehem steel 13 birmingham legion 12 pittsburgh riverhounds 13th place 12 points memphis 901 10 points loudon 9 charlotte 8 swope park 7 hartford 6 hartford over their last five matches so you know that was terrible for st louis they've got the same record as Hartford over the last five, wow. one, one, and three. Um, admittedly, Hartford is uh, getting decent results against decent opposition. And St. Louis, I mean, it's three zero zero draws that they have uh, in there, but it's against Pittsburgh, Charleston, and Louisville. So not terrible teams that they're doing against. But Hartford is getting uh, the results against clearly better teams because essentially that's anyone else in the east (laughs) uh 
The two hottest teams in the East right now are Tampa Bay, who are 4-0-1 in their last five, and Ottawa Fury, who are 3-0-2 in their last five. Congrats to those two teams. They're playing very well. Ottawa all the way up to fourth. Keep an eye on them. They're playing well. Out West, New Mexico on top of the pack, 24 points. Then Timbers 2 and 22. A 2-2-2. Phoenix Rising, 20 points. Reno, 20. Fresno, 20. El Paso, 20. (laughs) OKC, 19. Austin Bold, 18. Orange County and LA Galaxy 2 on 18. Uh, We talked about this last week, but from 10 to 3, they are separated by 2 points. That's nuts. Crazy. Totally nuts. Uh, Below the line... Uh, Sac Republic, 17, Tulsa, 17, Rio Grande Valley, 16, Las Vegas Lights, 15, Real Monarchs, 12, San Antonio, 12, Colorado, 11, and Tacoma Defiance, 9. Just barely above Hartford Athletic. So, yeah, from top to from 17th to 1, it's 13 points. Uh, from uh, 10 to 1, it is just six points. Two matches essentially separate the team in 10th place from being in first place. The West is certainly wild this year. Joe, do you Absolutely. have to, it's crazy. Joe, do you have to take off and go play soccer? Uh, I might. Yeah, actually do. <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you get your plug in first. Where can we follow you? At Jaystein 15. And I met Bill TNJ. And you can follow me at underscore Joe Goldstein if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do. We are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's all on Twitter. Joe, if you do have to leave, you can just head out. It's fine. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Bye, Joe. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye, Joe. Bye. Bye. I hope that we got at least one person saying goodbye in their car in the morning tomorrow. Um, you can find us on facebook.com slash raising bulls. You can go to raising bulls.com where we keep all of our episodes. You can even send us questions there to questions at raising bulls.com. That's questions at raising bulls.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, find us, rate us, review us. It means everything. Every bit helps. And of course, if we're not on your podcast, uh, uh app of choice, let us know, and we'll, we'll make sure we get there. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM, covering MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They've got a ton of great podcasts and written work. Podcasts like Down in the Valley, Old Glory Red Report, St. Louis Soccer Report, Texas Soccer Radio, The Unused Substitute, Tornado Alley, The USL Show, Backyard Footy, The Last Line, and Bethlehem Blast Furnace. Before I move on from them, I want to call out a uh, podcast that I listened to this week. Um, it is a special report. I think I think it's just for the month uh, that's being run by our good friend Evan Villella, uh, who uh, has been covering um, the uh, Bethlehem Steel for a long time, and you know he's just he does a lot of awesome stuff with the USL show and a lot of other things. But I gotta find this the link for it. Where are we? Where are we? Oh, I can't find it. I'm the worst at this. Here, I'm going to pretend like uh, I'm not looking for it, and then I'll very quickly look for it. Do you think that'll work, Bill? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the USL show, so I'm going to go in there. I forget what the specific uh, episode is called. Out in the Crowd. Okay, so he's doing 
a number of these. I would highly recommend to, uh, to listen to it. Um, in this particular show, Austin Deleuze, former Red Bull uh, and current North Carolina FC captain, and Evan Villela sit down and open up uh, on Playing for Pride, which, of course, is the uh, organization that Austin Deleuze runs and um, he does fundraisers with throughout the month of June. Uh, and for it's a Pride Month series with Austin uh, hosting all these shows, getting to know all about, um, in, in this one, uh, Evan, how he came out and... Uh, found acceptance through his coming out process and through soccer. It is absolutely phenomenal. This is the first part of a four part series. I would highly recommend checking out again out in the crowd. It's part of the USL show. I think it's part of their feed, so you should be able to grab it, but if not head to bgn.fm slash out in the crowd, those are all separated with hyphens. Uh, it's, it's really, really, really nice to listen to. I would again, highly recommend it. Get out there, listen to it out in the crowd. Of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, for... Uh, Bill Toomey, for Joe Steen, for Preston Kilwine. Thank you very much, and have a great night. <laughs>